today. So today's our sixth week. So we have question and answer. Um, we want to particularly take questions about the church and what that what God has uh, spoken of in Scripture about the church. But we also want uh, we will open it up to other questions as well. I think it's good to be able to ask questions and work through the Scriptures together in uh, getting. Uh, our answers correct according to the Word of God. So we'll, we'll have an opportunity to do that. Um, we'll do a quick review through the uh, five different lessons and we'll, we'll take some questions. But it's good to see everybody this morning. We do want to pray. And uh, so uh, a couple of praises. Um, one, one of our missionaries um, in Papua New Guinea, Tim Hawes, uh, had a piece of metal stuck in his eye. And uh, they actually had to drill it out when he came home yesterday. Uh, being on that mission field, they tried to go to the clinic in the village in which he was at, but they had to go quite a long distance away and probably begin to find someone who would have the, the tools and skill to be able to remove that. So that's why it took many days of travel and, and uh, work. But they got home. I believe yesterday, maybe Friday, but he's doing much better, so we praise the Lord for that. And uh, Sandy Plank, uh, missionary family, going to uh, Italy, um, did have COVID, but she's home from the hospital and uh, doing better. So her uh, sodium levels, this seems to be something not associated with COVID, but her sodium level, they got to do uh, very dangerous levels. And I don't know how the body works, and I know we need salt, but uh, it really caused some, some terrible problems. And so continue to pray for Sandy Plank as well. Um, but uh, praise the Lord. Continue to pray for uh, Debbie Bouchard, and uh, and uh, thankful for her family. Uh, Brian and Cole, of course, part of our church, so be praying for uh, other things that we want to be praying for today. Other things we want to be praying for. Okay? Continue to pray for Luann at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Pray for Luann. Um, she deals with arthritis um, and uh, really debilitating. It's, you know, pain is a hard thing to deal with. Isn't it? There's only a few instances in my life where I had pain that was really, really bad. Pray for you to keep yeah. growing and never lose hope. Amen. Amen. Praise Our hope is in the Lord. Mm-hmm. We'll never fail. That's right. Amen. 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 Another prayer request today? Yes. Um, Kenneth Michaud, he, uh, his blood sugar was like, dangerously high. Um, so 
we're not sure if the medication he was on uh, led to the complication or if he's developed diabetes. So this is that his grandpa?
pray for Ken and ask him again that he could give wisdom to the doctors in this situation and that, that they would be able to figure out why uh, his blood sugar is spiked the way it has. And Father, I do pray for Joseph. Thank you that George cares enough to know, know what's going on with her in the middle of the night. Pray about all things that she would know Christ. That she'd be saved. She's not. Being 90 years old, the day will come, and that's soon. And she will meet you. And I pray that you administer her and Lisa with the doctor's wisdom and do heal her body. And extend her days. Bless us this morning and help me to go through the Word of God and to do so rightly. Please, we pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Come on in, have a seat. <clears throat> We've uh, been making our way through the uh, doctrine of the church. Uh, the first lesson was the importance of the church. Have you ever thought about what the church is? It's unlike any other institution in the world. Every institution has its purpose. The purpose of the church is the salvation of souls. That people might know God. Amen? Amen. It's unlike any other institution in the world. It is the most important institution in the world today. And uh, so we, we should never downplay the importance of the church, of the local church. And there, we always need to remember that it is Christ's church, right? Mm -hmm. He is the one who has built it. He is the head. It is his. Um, we as preachers, we often say things like, um, my church. We need to be careful of that. Uh, if we mean that it's my church because, uh, because I am the head, I'm the pastor, and, and I lead, then we, we, I think we're using the word my in a way that we shouldn't use it. Uh, because Christ is the head of the church, right? Christ is the head of the church. If we use the word my in the sense of belonging, Christ has done so that we might 
this, this unity of the faith. And so we have the ordinances of the local church. The practices of the local church, the church gathers, the church assembles. There is no church if there's no assembly. That is absolutely true. There is no church if the church does not assemble. Um, if ever we got to the place where uh, we were just live streaming and everybody was home, there would be no church. It would be, uh, it'd be no, no better than watching somebody on TV every Sunday. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've ministered to people at their homes. And they'll say, yeah, I go to church every Sunday morning from my couch. I watch Charles Stanley. By the way, I don't think Charles Stanley, who I don't agree with in everything, but I, I don't think that he, that was his purpose in having uh, Sunday morning videos. Um, but that's not a good thing, because there is no church if you're at home on the couch. Um, so we assemble, we assemble to pray, right? The church prays. The church prays. We make a big deal about prayer. Um, we pray every time we gather in some way, we pray. We have special prayer meetings. Why do we come together to pray? Because God answers prayer. Amen. Imagine if there's no church. Imagine if there's no local church. What would you have a whole lot less of? You'd have a whole lot, of, lot, 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 whole lot less answered prayer. You'd have a whole lot less prayer. Right? A church ought to be a place of prayer. The, the church is a teaching institution. What is our what is it that we teach? What does the church teach? The, the Bible, right? We're not going to teach philosophy or or we're not going to teach uh, psychology. Um, we're not going to major in history. Now listen, I might teach historical things and there's a reason for it, but as an example of the, the scripture, right? Um, as an example of the scripture. Uh, we do have a uh, civics class that we do um, on Tuesdays. Um, I think that's important. Um, I'm glad that the government our state government said last week it needs to be a mandatory thing to teach civics. My fear is what do they mean by that? Right. Um, ultimately, civics ought to be teaching the value and the content of the founding of our nation in its documents. Uh, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the, the, uh, uh, these, these documents ought to be taught. People ought to know. Um, how our government is set up, and why it was set up the way it was. But we teach the word of God. We bring the gospel. We, we go forth with the gospel. We are given to the Great Commission, the Great Commission, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's the, the practices of the local church. And last week, we, we uh, looked at the leadership of the local church. There, there are two offices of the local church. There is the pastor and the deacons. Right? What are other what are other names the scripture uses for pastor? Uh, elder, yeah. Bishop, right? Um, there's some uh, American African American uh, Baptist churches where the the pastor is called bishop. And I'm not opposed to that, um, as long as it's within the realm of, of the scripture. Um, on the other hand, if there's a hierarchy where you've got pastors, priests, bishops, cardinals, popes, um, I, I think that's unbiblical. The local church is an independent assembly, and, and we have Christ as our head, right? Amen. And the, the pastor does lead, and the pastor does have authority within the realm of the church, but Christ is the head. Amen? Amen. Um, I think pastors are unwise. Um, when they demand people do it their way just because they say so, 
not to make merchandise of the church, but the pastor is to lead the church. Lead the example of the church, to teach the church. Uh, God has given us bishops or, or pastors or elders. And then uh, we look at uh, deacons and what is the role of the deacon within the church? Service, right? Service. And uh, that, that is what a deacon is to do. That's what the very word deacon means. It means one who serves. And uh, you see the first deacons uh, given their first responsibility with feeding of widows back in Acts chapter 6. We see the disciples coming together and choosing them. By the way, it's important that the membership of the church be what? Saved, right? The membership of the church can't be based upon who's been there the longest. Um, it can't be based upon who gives the most money. Um, uh, it can't be based upon giving dues. Um, if you give dues, then you're automatically a member. So the, the membership of the church has to be saved people. It has to. What do I mean by that? I mean they trusted that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead. They believed this with all their heart and they called upon him as their Savior. Right? Um, I do believe there needs to be a, a, part, a time, a moment in time where every person comes to believe with all their heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead. Um, I don't believe a person is saved because they were born in the church, or that their family goes to church. Um, I believe a person is saved because they, by their own decision, and in, a, in their own time, and in a moment in time, have trusted Christ as their Savior. That make sense? Um, if a person, if a person tells me I've always been saved, there's one thing I'm pretty sure of almost 100%. In fact, in, in every case that I've ever had, is they are not saved. Um, now, does that mean that a person can't be saved when they're young? Can a child be saved? Yes. yes. Absolutely a child can be saved. But there is a moment in time when a child realizes they're a sinner and they need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. Right? Right. Um, and so, yes, a child can be, be saved. And we, we, give, we give children the gospel. Becoming increasingly offensive to the world, we teach children that they are sinners in the context of their life, right? In the context of their life. By the way, children know a lot more about sin than we give them credit for, whether it's bad words or um, drunkenness. But the thing that we'll often speak of with children are the things that they do is sin. Right? For example, the scripture says, honor your father and your mother. The scripture teaches this. And what have all kids done? They've all dishonored their mom and dad. Right? No matter how sweet and kind and innocent your little baby is, just give it a little time. And they'll, they'll show you they're a sinner. Right? They're a sinner. And that's true. The way they treat each other. Children can be selfish and unkind. And they can do things they shouldn't do. And it just proves that they're a sinner. And they need a Savior. And He is Jesus. Amen? This will be praying. Uh, praying for the little ones. We've got several signed up for Good News Club. Uh, at uh, Richmond School. And Hope Valley School. Open by uh, not this coming Tuesday, but the Tuesday after that, we have quite a few more. Hope we'll have to make at least two trips with the bus. So we pray that that uh, God would use that. And so God has given the church, brethren, the church is a wonderful thing. And uh, listen, can are there are there institutions that call themselves churches that? We're not doing Christ any service at all. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, 
God is more and more in our own country marginalizing those churches. And I really do believe that's the case. I heard someone say uh, right the other day that he believes in the next 10 years most churches who uh, are liberally minded churches, uh, when I use that term, I'm speaking more in the terms of the Bible and politics, so those two tend to go hand in hand. Um, that they'll just be gathering places for atheists. I think that's true. I think a lot of churches that don't believe in the virgin birth, uh, they don't believe that Jesus really rose from the dead, they don't believe that the Bible is inerrant, um, that they're just going to be places where atheists gather. Um, and that's, many of those churches, that's what they are anyway. We even now where uh, chaplaincy at Harvard is an atheist, and how about atheists? So these things are just going to come to pass, but not here, amen? amen. Not many, many thousands of churches across America, and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of churches around the world. Believe me, um, God is going to win. Right. Now we're going to be called out of this place. And this is going to be a bad day for the world. It'll be a great day for us. It's going to be the best day. Um, but uh, until then, believe me, uh, there will be those who worship God with all their heart and really believe the truth. So, um, the local church. Who's got, excuse me, who's got uh, a question um, concerning local church particularly, and then we can move on into, to more general topics. But um, any questions or thoughts concerning the local church, um, the local body of believers of which we are one? And uh, what the Bible teaches about these things. Don? Uh, it's not really a question, but um, I think one of the things that the pastor sometimes follows is the shepherd. Mm -hmm. um, yes. I'm the shepherd, and you see Christ referred to as the chief shepherd. Yeah, the word pastor actually has that connotation or meaning of shepherd.
father's, every fatherless boy or girl needs more than what money can buy. Every fatherless boy or girl needs more than money can buy. And so whether a child is an orphan or is being raised by a single mom, um, that child needs more than what money can buy. Um, and they, they do need the work of God in their life. No doubt about it. Um, the scripture speaks about uh, orphans and widows. And uh, and so I think I think God sees what's going on in the world today. I think uh, single moms who are raising children, um, I think, are put in that, that widow category in a sense. Um, not in every sense, but in some sense. And that's in the, in the sense that, that uh, children need God, right? They need God. And that's true. I think, I think we have to do everything we can to minister to, to these children in every way that we can. That's, that's biblical. Amen? Uh, I guess I remember something funny about you saying children about sinning and what Pastor Tom said over the weekend. That when he was talking about Jesus Christ, that the child said to him, that that's, that's a bad word in my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the pastor, the, the, the men's retreat, they had BBS this summer, and, and it's the case, uh, so many children have no real understanding of, of the Bible. You know, it, it would astound you, if you spent time with children, it would astound you how few you know about Abraham or Moses or Noah or Jesus. And the one little boy was there and the pastor was talking about Jesus Christ. And the boy raised his hand and said, What? You can't say that word. So he knew it was a, as a was a sin in the sense of using his name in a blasphemous term, but he thought that that was the only way that Jesus Christ named you. Right? And so it is funny in a way, but it's also tragic. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't know that Jesus Christ is God. Nobody can speak of him. And uh, so that's true. Brother? I'm still thankful for the church. You know, like you said, it's a, it, it's a battle out there all, all week. You know, and you know, it's a, a safe place, so to speak. You know, so often, like people will come in and think that if you go into church, like you got it all together. Like, because you, you've got a tie on or, or a suit or something like that. And it's just not that we all come in because we all have struggles and and and, and to really uh, to be vulnerable to the body in such a way, you know, like to ask for prayer, like listen, I need prayer in this. Like that's not always easy for people to do, you yeah. know. But to show that, but that's that's why God's given us a church to love on each other and, and just yeah. to know like that, you know, when when we're out there each and every day, that that we have brothers and sisters that are praying for you, you know. Yeah. It's just such a it's such a blessing, really. Yeah. And, you know, the church yeah. is a hospital. I do praise God for our church. I really do. It's good to be part of the church. And uh, it's true. We we do come together to receive instruction from God, uh, to be given strength to go forth into the world. Uh, but also, it is a place where we can come and, and remember that God is uh, the one who heals wounds. And physically, yes, but we know that, that other types of wounds can be just as as, uh, as miserable, right? And I praise God for our church. Mom? Not just that, but that you're with a group of people that believe in prayer. Yeah. You know, you say that in the world, and it's like people roll their eyes, and are like, oh, yeah, yeah, prayer. You know, but to, this is a group of believers. Yeah. Amen. God really does bind our hearts together in a good way. Amen. Um, amen. We will leave our gathering together. We'll go out. We'll go out. We'll be salt and light in the world. But I do praise God for His word. Amen.
this, you know, and, and, and I'm so thankful that this is a small church, and I'll tell you what, a lot of the big churches, people don't even know your name. You walk through the door, you want to be invisible, you can so be invisible. And I'm so grateful that this church is, uh, teaches the word of God. And when somebody comes through the door, like a few weeks ago when Gary and Rhonda came through the door, we were like, hey, yeah. it's so good to see you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's real important because our own families can be very dysfunctional. Not our families, though, right? <laughs> so, and because of that, this church is a hospital. Yeah. And we all have dysfunctional families um, because of sin. But when you when you're part of a small church, um, people care. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Because, yeah. you know, God cares. And because you, Pastor John, teach this book, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Praise so God that that's my responsibility to teach the Bible. Just, just if I come up with something else, that'd be stuck. And just teach the word. That's what we need. Amen. By the way, everything is dysfunctional if the definition of dysfunctional is to not function perfect. And uh, that is true. Every day I'm reminded of that. Now we use the word dysfunctional as a father who comes home and beats his children and, and uh, there's drugs and alcohol in the home. Uh, or some other thing that really messes things up. Um, like God is, is merciful and faithful and he, he uh, keeps things from being as bad as it might be. Um, now that being said, when we come together, uh, listen, there's going to be folks coming today who uh, their children <coughs> do all kinds of stuff. You know, Bailey takes the glue and squeezes it all over the floor right before church. Or whatever. Um, anybody who's a parent knows there are times you come in on a Sunday that uh, you're just glad you got through the door. Amen. Amen. But, uh, and so we got to remember that for one another. Um, you know, the ideal is, is certainly not something that we, we all accomplish all the time. It's what a blessing it is to be able to come to church and know that about each other. Be quick to forgive. The mom who comes through the door hasn't had time to brush her hair and she just latched and made it through. And uh, she's a little short or seems, seems to be uh, not as friendly as she normally is. What should we think? Well, in the church, we ought to think differently, right? We ought to be quick to forgive. And say, you know what? We're not going to be easily offended. May God help us. Because we are in many ways dysfunctional. We don't all feel good. Right? Some of us live with pain every day. Um, some of us are worried about things. Some of us um, have all, every one of us has these types of things. But praise God for the church. And, and God teaches these things. We'll look at some something that I think God makes a, a big deal about in Scripture that we make sometimes too small a deal the way we treat one another. And we really need to learn how to treat each other as Christ. Good. Rich? Uh, Hebrews 10 24 talks about uh, considering one another and provoke unto love and to good works. Yes. But, uh, what do you think that that, uh, what do you think that looks like <coughs> as far as uh, ways that we can be provoking one another? Number one, I do think we need to be involved in ministry together. Um, I think I think it's, if, if we're involved in ministry together, we're uh, provoking one another towards love and good works. Um, then we can we can help each other uh, to do those things that are ministry, whether it's people ministry to people in the church, ministry to people outside the church, uh, whether it's evangelism or, or discipleship. I do think. Um, the coming together, um, when we talk about being part of the church, um, 
We're not talking about simply an institution that comes together for a purpose but leaves with no purpose. That makes sense? It's we don't just come together and have a purpose. We leave with a purpose. And that purpose, you saw the line of the world, we think, for example, is one of the ways the scripture speaks about it. We have the Great Commission. Um, we have the work of discipleship. These are all things that, that uh, as we work together on these things, um, we'll be able to exhort one another in these things, right? And so if someone is doing, doing something and they stop doing that particular thing and don't seem to be doing anything else, I think God gives us the, the, the permission and even command to speak to one another and say, hey, everything okay, mm-hmm. right? Is there anything I can help with? I, I, you know, I noticed you, you stepped aside and stepped away, right? Um, the word provoke is a word picture that those in those days would have thought of as, as uh, cattle being driven by a poker, right? Because the, the person, the cattle driver or the shepherd, uh, the sheep, for example, know where the sheep need to go and they know where danger is. And so they would use a, a prod to get the, the animal to go in the right direction. Um, sometimes they would use a sharpened stick. Um, other times they would use that stick to, to physically move the, the animal in a particular direction. And we think of the shepherd's book and that type of thing. Um, what do we have to provoke towards love and good works? You know, if I see Curtis... Uh, um, not doing what he should, am I going to go and, and poke him with a stick? <laughs> no. What, what do we have to provoke people to love and good works? God's salvation. Well, we have, we have we do have the salvation of God. That's the that's true. But we, we practically speaking, um, what does God give us to be able to provoke one another? Encouragement. Encouragement. What do we use to encourage? Words. Words. Right. And what were the best words that we can use to encourage people with? God's words, right? And God's words. Um, the part of preaching is provoking towards love and good works. Um, there's going to come a day where you might say something like this. Um, Pastor, every time you preach, you preach about sin. Uh, we need to be encouraged. I've heard that, for example. Um, one of the things that I try to do is pr- go through the Scripture. And, uh, and what you find in the Scripture is speaking about sin sin or falling short of, of the glory of God and encouragement really go hand in hand, don't they? Um, because sin kills. It, it ruins sin. If we, can, if we can come face to face with sin and let God work through us and work to deal with those things, um, then we are far better off, right? And uh, so I, I, <clears throat> I'm not going to uh, necessarily skip over things that might be sin. Now, one thing that I think everybody should come to the realization about is that not everything that I might say applies to you, right? And it might apply to you, but I've known people that that everything I ever say is, is applies right to them. Now, they need to go to God with that, right? right. Uh, they need to go to God with that. And uh, um, I very rarely, I won't say never, but very rarely preach to a particular sin within a particular person. Um, I don't want to say never because there have been times and maybe others where that's necessary and God speaks about those things. But generally speaking, that's not to say. So we provoke to, unto love. And so if, if we're provoking unto love, what does that mean the other person that you're provoking must not be doing? Must not be loving, right? It must not be loving. What are examples in, in, uh, of a person who is not loving. They're, they're not doing what would define love. And then, with that example, and I'll be careful here, right? 
I'm not opening it up to talk about what happened yesterday at your house or, or last week at church. And uh, you can look at that person and, and say, you know, it's not loving to, and then that wouldn't be good, right? You guys are going to But just, just uh, generally speaking, what would be an example of a, a Christian not doing something that's loving and how, how you might respond to that? Gossiping? So, okay, so then you're, you're talking to somebody and they begin to gossip, right? They begin to talk about somebody in the church and, and uh, uh, tell them, um, that type of thing. So what, what would be a good response to that? I think instead of, um, instead of, instead of you know, gossiping about something, take to the Lord in prayer. Take to the Lord in prayer, sure. Um, absolutely. Is there a point where we need to say, listen, I, I, the scripture doesn't, you know, God doesn't want us to speak bad about other people behind your back, you know, if, they, you know, uh, if, if there's something going on, why don't you go talk to them, right? Why don't you go talk to that person? I don't need to know. Um, I don't need to know. And if there's something going on, talk, go talk to them, right? Yeah. Um, definitely. There, there are times where we have to say, listen, we can't talk like this anymore. By the way, have a sensitive, have a sensitive conscience by the Holy Spirit. If you start feeling it here in your conversation, that's a good indication that we should what? Stop. Right? Now, what is the danger? Get it? They're going to get mad at you. They're going to get mad, right? They're going to get mad. Now, we, our speech should be seasoned with salt. Right? We should not be holier than that. Um, we shouldn't act as if we've never done the same thing. Right? Because the truth is, we've all said things or been part of conversations that we wish we never were part of and wish we never said. Right? But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we, we don't have the command to speak or to, and it's certainly not to continue in doing things that we shouldn't do or saying things that we shouldn't say. So, gossip, what, what, what's, what's another thing of someone who's not doing the loving thing and how we might uh, uh, properly deal with it? Having more patience. All right, so being patient, so a person loses their cool. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, one of the great things about having mom and dad in the home is one of them's going to lose their cool and the other one can be the voice of reason. Yeah. Right? Praise God for my wife. Right? <laughs> And the same thing. I get offended. What am I going to get offended at? Right? You shouldn't yell at the kids about whatever. Um, at least not the way that you do. Or whatever. But yeah. Uh, someone loses their, their patience. They're cool and they should be patient. Um, you know, we, we respond to that in a loving way. Right? In a loving way. Uh, so I thought of something like Rich. Certainly, uh, anybody who's not there, there's going to be something missing. 
And sometimes they're effective and sometimes they're not. Remember, people are people. And God has not made us as programmable robots that if we just say the right words, um, we'll put it in the program and they'll, they'll start doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, we already uh, understand that God is bringing us along. But listen, um, I've had conversations with people who don't come to church, and I've had those over and over again. And, and then we pray. And then we have a conversation again when it comes up. Um, or when God leads me to do it. And uh, there are folks today who I've encouraged to come to church, um, whether from the pulpit or whether from a, a visit, um, and I've done it many times. It doesn't mean that I hate them or think less of them. Um, but uh, there's a need, especially for them. What, what does it say in verse 25? But exhorted one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. What does that mean? If nothing more, it means that, that the church becomes even more necessary every day that we get closer to this approaching day. Right. Why is that? Well, there was one point in church history. I'm sorry, I keep you late there. I'm sorry. There's a time in church history. Uh, after the Reformation, you know, 17, 1800s, where people literally thought that the church was going to usher in the utopia. All right? That didn't last more than 100 years. You know, the 1860s came with Darwinism and that type of thing. And uh, we, have, we have moved away from that. The church is not going to usher in the kingdom of heaven. Christ is going to do that himself. He alone is going to do it. I think we'll be back there, um, but he's going to be the one that does it. Um, and so my point is this. Every day we get closer to the end is not a day necessarily that's going to get easier. Right. We're going to get, things are going to get harder, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, I think, I think we need to be ready for the hard things within the church. Um, the days of the church being the cultural norm are behind us. No doubt about it. And so we need to exhort each other what? All the more. And uh, we need more people who are really bound together in the church, not less. And so that we can do more in terms of love and good works. And uh, brethren, I pray to God 